good rainy morning from West Texas. This is the first episode of There's Always Something to Chase, and I'm Jerry Gazelle. Over the last year, maybe year and a half, I have been asked by a lot of people to start my own podcast and shed light on a lot of what I've written on Instagram or even on TikTok for that matter. But a lot of people really enjoy what I have written on Instagram. Uh, even if it's just memories about horses or some of the philosophies and wisdoms I've learned along the way, spending my life with horses. And I was real hesitant to do it because I just didn't really know if I w- would be taking away from the words that I'd written by putting a voice to them. And just over the past six months or so, I, I've really put a lot of thought into it. And when I talk to people or when I tell stories with people in the room, it's really fascinating to me to see their reactions and to see that they're truly listening to the words that I'm saying. And the more I talk, the more memories come to mind and the more I want to share those memories, but also I want to share what I've learned along the way, not just about horses, but just about life, about the meaning to life um, and where I have begun to really take an interest in the human condition on many levels. Um, And so what I'll probably do over each episode is I will pick a certain post from my Instagram that means a lot to me and I will read that post and then I will shed some light on what I was feeling or what I was thinking at the time or if I was going through something that I thought it would help if I expressed my emotions or my feelings when I was writing what I was writing Uh, and hopefully someone will take something positive away from that because like I've said before, I don't just write things just to write them. I, I write them because I need to get something out. And there's beauty in the words that we share. If we keep things to ourselves, I feel like we're doing a disservice to our friends and our family and to ourselves or even to the general public. And what I've, what I've discovered about social media and about podcast is we're not just sharing things with people we know people from all across the world listen to what we say read the words that we write and it's it's global Uh, and I find that to be mind-blowing because for a while I thought well nobody reads what I write so it, it it I wasn't as thoughtful as I could have been when I first really started trying to write things. And the more I began to write, the more I began to feel what I was writing. And I placed a lot of importance on the words that I put down because the more people reached out to me, the more I realized that I had an effect on people. And I wanted to be genuine and I wanted to be very open about the things that I wrote in in a sense I was becoming very vulnerable and in becoming vulnerable with those things I noticed a lot of friends start to let their guard down and to be vulnerable in their own ways 
And the the first way of, of anybody being vulnerable was simply reaching out to me and expressing their sentiment or their thoughts about how they wish they could do what I do as far as expressing feelings or just thoughts in general. And it wasn't always easy. And the more I do it, the easier it becomes. And I want to encourage others to, to do the same thing, you know, just embrace those things because the more you start to express those things, the easier it becomes. And then we start to become a more understanding society. Uh, and it can start with the smallest push, the smallest move. And I've learned something so valuable over the past six months maybe over the past year, just from people giving me books to read, books that they've written or books that meant something to them because I've often shared books that mean a lot to me or, or a book that's meant something special just from maybe a memory of someone giving me that book and then reading the book and I start to, to understand there's so much more to what we do than the simple things of what we do, our jobs, our lives, our lifestyles, it, we can really stack upon those things. And so I really want to talk a lot about books and about writing and m how it all has come to me through my life with horses, ranching, traveling around the country, working in different parts of the country, meeting people from all over the world because I've said it before, you know, spending a good part of my life in the horse business has been in polo, and polo is global. But what I've discovered along the way is that our lifestyle with horses is global. It's, it's just because it's specialized in all of the disciplines that we choose to train in, it's all over the world. We meet people from all over the world. And even just sharing what we do on social media with our horses reaches people across the world. And, and I've discovered that through, through Instagram and through TikTok that it's not just people in Texas or the U.S. listening, watching, reading. It's people all over the world, and that's mind-blowing to me. And so w what I want to really discuss is – how we can reach out to everybody. We can understand what they're doing in the world when they're tens of thousands of miles away across the other side of the planet and relate a lot of those things to what we read, what we share. And so, you know, just like for, for you know, a, a quick instance, I've referenced a lot from reading Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, and there's just so many valuable messages in there. And, and the one that really stuck out to me was when he discussed that he didn't have to pick sides between two men sitting at the same table. The main thing was that he understood both sides. And I'll, I'll eventually get to an episode where I will dive deeper into green lights talking about that. But I've really 
tried to be very aware of understanding all sides, wherever someone is coming from, listening to what they're saying. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to say you're right or you're wrong. I can understand what they believe, what their passions are. As long as they're true to themselves, then it's a lot easier to understand where they're coming from, and I don't have to agree with it. And I, I find that to be so rewarding in a lot of ways. And going beyond that is learning how to let things go, uh, which comes not just from my newfound love and practice of meditating, but just in general. You know, it, it, we don't always have to forgive, even though in a perfect world we could always forgive everybody for the things they've done, or we would hope that people would forgive us for the things that we have done, but the the easiest thing is to just find a way to let things go. Um, I don't always have to forgive people, but I can let things go. Because um, sometimes if I can't understand, if I can't find meaning or understanding in whatever someone did, then the the best thing I can do is to just let it go. And I've found that to be a very good thing in my life. Uh, even though it's not always positive things that are happening, it's very positive for me to let those things go. And it's up to whoever is on the other side of that to do as they wish. I would hope that they could let things go or I could hope that they find forgiveness in, in themselves or in the things that I do. So along the way, I'm going to get into a lot of discussions about those things and I'm also going to get into just telling stories about horses about wrecks with horses about fun things with horses about horses that I loved memories of good horses memories of bad horses it, it it'll be a lot of fun to do uh, because there's a lot of stories that I have not shared on Instagram and it would be kind of fun just to tell them here and, and eventually I would like to get more people involved in in this podcast but for now it's just going to be me sitting here with a microphone and telling my stories and hopefully people will reach out either commenting on the podcast or finding me on social media and, and asking me about something where I could do an episode on what they want to talk about uh, you know as much as I I try to keep a lot of the things separate between my platforms. There might be an episode where we talk simply about philosophies on training horses, or it might be, you know, how some of my philosophies in life translate into my philosophies on training horses. And I don't always like to use the word philosophy either. I've mentioned that a few times because I feel like it's an overused word, but it's an easy word to use. So along the way, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull a book out of the bookshelf or I'm going to pull something off an Instagram and, and talk about those things because what I've learned from doing a couple of podcasts is that people are genuinely blown away by what I've had to say. And it's been very humbling to me uh, because I, I try to to just let things 
flow. You know, I try to just be organic when I start talking about these things. And, and so it's, it's been a really interesting ride so far. It's, it's been very eye-opening as well because I, I never thought that I would get to a point where I would be able to sit in front of a microphone and tell stories and that people would listen. So I'm going to try to do the best I can with all of this. Uh, I haven't decided what the second episode will be. I'm going to go through my notes and through some of what I've written and hopefully find something to get everybody's ear and to maybe give give people something to listen to, you know, something to hold on to, something to take away from whatever I have to say. So, like I said, if there's something somebody would like for me to talk about, find a way to reach out to me and I will do what I can to talk about that. Uh, so, maybe I'll break it down in this first podcast and just talk a little bit about where I came from, what I've done, and where I hopefully will end up somewhere in the future. So uh, for those listening for the first time and for those just getting to know me, uh, my name is Jerry Gazelle. I was born in Adkins, Texas, which was a small town southeast of San Antonio. And I was born a triplet, so I have an identical twin brother and a paternal twin sister, and we grew up with a mother who was a lifelong horse trainer and a dad who was a carpenter, and they met at a rodeo arena. Uh, dad was a rustock rider, and mom was a barrel racer and breakaway roper, and she grew up somewhat training horses. She decided when she was a teenager that she wanted to train horses and she did everything she could to spend her life training horses and that is where I get it from I guess in a sense so anyway we were the first triplets born in Bear County or San Antonio and so we were somewhat treated like celebrities for the first year of our lives uh, there was a lot of um, newspapers following us around and, and mom got a lot of attention but the one thing mom never quit doing was she never quit working. She never quit training horses. And she found a way to always be at the barn with the three of us in tow. And I can remember I started writing a short story years ago, and it had to reference a mother with her young child and putting them in the saddle and how she said everything was going to be all right because she kept her finger in the belt loop of his of his britches and she said if anything was to happen she would just pull him off by the belt loop and as i started to write that short story it it brought back memories of exactly that i wasn't just creating something from thin air it was a part of our lives when we were little uh, because when mom was still breaking two-year-olds she would start saddling these colts in the round pen and she would usually have the three of us sitting around the snubbing post that she had in that round pen and so when she'd get those colts somewhat saddle broke she would always put us in the saddle just because we were small enough and there was three of us she could just kind of rotate through us putting us 
on top of these colts and she would she would hold us somewhat by the belt loop and she would walk those colts around and if they did get a little bit squirrely she'd just yank us off she'd set us back down on the ground and she'd work those horses a little bit more but if those colts kind of got to moving around quietly she'd leave us in that saddle and kind of just move us out a little bit and then she would pull us off and she would step on step off of them until they were ready to ride and when those colts were ready to ride she would get on them and she'd put us outside the round pen then and she'd ride those colts around but we were always there we were always in the barn we were always in the round pen we were always around mom and those horses uh, because dad at the time was was working in San Antonio doing whatever he had to do before he got his job as a carpenter. And so there was always something really special about that time growing up in the round pen with with mom. And it it gives a lot of inspiration and basis for the stories that I write. And it, as I as I talk about you know, remembering mom and remembering those times with her, I'll probably get really emotional because I, I tend to get really emotional when I read back from, from some of those stories that, that I have, you know, with mom. And, you know, we, we kind of, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about it, but my brother and I sort of became sort of counterculture. You know, we wanted to ride skateboards and BMX bicycles and we the surfer scene was always really cool to us and and of course we the surfing scene wasn't real handy because we lived about three hours from the coast but we always found a way to have a skateboard and when mom would go to horse shows you know we'd sneak our skateboards in the nose of the trailer and when we'd get there we'd go try to find ditches to ride our skateboards in and it's not like we were real big time skaters it was hard to to really hone your skills with a skateboard when you lived out in the country and but we liked that kind of that scene and it stuck with me through my entire life you know that listening to to punk rock music listening to all kinds of music but kind of that that whole scene was always appealing but there was always this tug from horses and eventually when I was a junior in high school uh, I started to show a little bit more interest in horses and mom started showing more interest in me with horses and at the time I was going to school until noon and then I was working at our local supermarket uh, in the the uh, meat market part of uh, the grocery store and on the days that I didn't have to work I would be at home working horses with mom and she really started helping me I could tell she genuinely was proud that I wanted to be a part of what she was doing and those days were priceless because I got to where I didn't want to work that nine to five job I didn't want to you know I I thought you know in high school you know that I wanted to be a a butcher I wanted to process beef you know because it was just something really fascinating and detail-oriented in its own right. But I started to lose interest in all of those things, and I started to have more interest in 
being around horses and being around mom with those horses. And I can remember one day we were in the round pen and I had this, this weird moment where I was watching mom work with a horse and I thought, you know, holy shit, you know, where have I been my entire life? You know, why have I not understood what a great horseman mom was? You know, watching her work with a horse was mind-blowing because it had always been there and I hadn't taken the time to appreciate it. And I felt really heartbroken because it was one of those things that I started thinking, gosh, I wonder if mom has always wanted this for all of us or for one of us, you know, is it was something that she had built a life of and that she loved, she was so passionate about horses and about training horses. And I, I felt like I had kind of just screwed off my entire youth. And then I felt this sense of honor that I needed to honor mom and her legacy, even though she was obviously still alive and, and still training horses. But I had to, to find a way to make up for that lost time. And when she finally acknowledged that she wanted me to make a life of horses, make a life in the horse business, I knew that that I had been chosen. I, w I felt special, and it was one of those things where before when I tried to talk about horses with her, I felt silly. You know, I just felt kind of embarrassed, like I didn't know what I was doing or talking about. But after her and I had this sort of heartfelt moment, I was no longer embarrassed to talk about horses with her. I started to feel more confident. I started to feel like I could learn how to do this. I could ride horses for a living. I could train horses for a living. I could break two-year-olds. I could do all of these things with horses, and I didn't feel embarrassed, and I didn't feel ashamed. And so from that day on, it was a matter of what's next. You know, where am I going to go next? And it at the same time it was still questioning like can i do this can i do what what mom has done and it was always her words of encouragement that that helped me because mom was not a soft person mom was very hard she was not the very loving type the way she showed love was by not showing love in a sense. She didn't hug all the time. She didn't tell us that she loved us. She had this this sort of non-existent way of, of loving us. And when I started spending more time with her and the horses, I noticed those ways, her, her ways of expressing affection or love. And I'm probably getting a little bit sidetracked talking about it, but it – it was just a, you know, one of those things like, you know, who who chooses what we do with our lives, you know, because she pretty much chose that for me. But 
it was an easy choice because I think she knew that it was what was meant for me. And so that's what got me to where I am today. And, you know, in, in the meantime, there was all these other parts of me that, that had other things in mind, you know, because I've spoken a lot about my fascination with writing and with reading and how I love to spend my days imagining of things that I could invent with words, you know, and, and that was always strange to all of my friends. Uh, not that many of them knew it, but I talked before about how I was embarrassed to read books, you know, how I would get up early in the mornings to read so nobody would see and how I would daydream about writing all of these different things, creating stories, and and it was always in the back of my head to do that. But I realized that m what I was doing in the horse business was just arming me with so many things I could use later in life with telling stories, with the, the experiences that I would have along the way that made for great stories, you know, I, I could, I, you know, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll just tell a quick story that, that is kind of an example of one of those things that happens to you that's almost unbelievable, but a great story, and it all goes hand in hand because it, it's one of those, if I hadn't have collected that memory, and if I hadn't have had that experience with that horse, I wouldn't have much to talk about, and I have a million of those things. So I'll tell this quick story about this horse that I was riding in California, and he was a big gray horse. He probably weighed 1,300 pounds, and as far as the breeding goes, at that time I didn't know that much about breeding, but it was all this like went back to Hancock, it went back to Clabber, it went back to Hard Twist, you know, that, that these were the names being told to me at the time, and they didn't mean that much to me at the time. All I remember is, you know, I was five foot six, weighed 120 pounds, and I was climbing on this 1,300-pound bronc, and anytime I got on this horse, you could just feel him bow up, and he wanted to buck. He, he was just, he was a bronc, and... I was not going to let this horse get the best of me. And so I would ride him through all of these, these produce fields where they had carrots and they had all this stuff planted and it was all deep sand all the time. And they'd pull one crop out and put another crop in. There was date orchards all around and I had lots of places to ride this horse. And so one day I went out down one of these sand roads and there was this little old house at the end of these carrot fields. And this little old house was piled full of cardboard boxes. And they were cardboard boxes that had been full of, like, jugs of fertilizer or weed killer, whatever, whatever pesticides or chemicals they had had in those jugs in those boxes. And they would just throw all that crap into that little old house. Well, one day... This thing was on fire. I mean, this thing was just going up in flames. And I thought, man, this will be cool. I want to trot down the road, and I want to watch all these firemen put this fire out. And so I trot down there, and I kind of park this horse a little bit out of the way, and there's fire trucks, and they're fighting this fire. And I'm watching stuff float up into the air. And as I'm sitting there, I watch this 
I'm guessing piece of cardboard float down out of the sky and it's still got like little embers burning around it and I'm watching this thing float down and not really paying attention to where it's going and this piece of cardboard that's on fire lands right between the ears of this gray horse and all of a sudden I mean as soon as that that piece of cardboard touched that horse's head he swallowed his head and he just went to bucking and I was riding in this kind of bear trap saddle I didn't own it but it had big old swells and a big high back seat and this horse just goes to squalling and bucking and just raising hell well and I'm trying to stay on the best I can and, and somehow this horse won't buck me off he stays just right underneath me the entire time and as I'm going along, I'm just wishing I could just get bucked off. I want to bail off, but it seems like every time I go to bail off, he's just right back underneath me. And I look up, and all these firemen had stopped fighting this fire. They had kind of just started watching me. And there's dust and sand going everywhere, and, and this horse is just squalling like you could. I mean, just everybody knows those sounds. And I, I'm kind of laughing at this point because all these firemen are, are getting – a free show and they should be putting this fire out and instead they're watching this guy from texas on this big gray horse and about getting bucked off and and so finally i do get bucked off uh i i say get bucked off i i wanted off of that horse in the worst way because at this point my legs were hurting my back was hurting and i felt like all of my insides were just being beat to hell and i get bucked off i land on the ground and that horse goes bucking off back you know, we weren't far from, from where I was living with those horses, and he goes down the dirt road, and one of those firemen comes over there, and he asked me if I'm all right, and, and I said, yeah, I'm fine, and he picked me up off the ground, dust me off, and, and, uh, and hell, those guys are all kind of clapping and cheering me on, and, and I think, gosh dang, and, you know, as, as much as, as we look up to firemen as being heroes, at that moment, I felt like all of those firemen thought I was, you know, somebody bigger than them. You know, I, it's, I had this kind of sense of pride that, that all these guys were fascinated by what I was doing. You know, I was, you know, riding this bucking horse, you know, wearing a cowboy hat. And I was the image of probably what they thought they wanted to be when they were kids. They either wanted to be a cowboy or they wanted to be a fireman. And there they were, they were firemen, and they were getting to watch a cowboy do something. Even if I did get bucked off, my pride should have been hurt, but I I had a huge smile, and and, and I just had this, this real sense of, like, wow, you know, these guys are looking up to me when all we do is look up to firemen. And, you know, so that's one of those stories that I've carried with me forever, and it always – makes me happy to share those stories and and anyway that 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 horse ended up going back to the barn and and i did have to walk back i i thought i could stick around with these guys until they're done and have them take me back on the fire truck but they were going to be a while so so i ended up walking home and finding that horse and he had gone back to the barn broke the reins on my bridle and, and when i got back there they asked what happened and i told them and they all laughed and I try to think about over the years about how many times I've shared that story. And it, 
it stays the same because there wasn't much to it other than than uh you know getting bucked off that horse you know but anyway um so that's kind of what what i want to get into with with some of some of these podcasts so uh i hope everybody sticks around um you know i i i talked a lot about you know my life with horses and and as far as this podcast goes the reason i named it there's always something to chase is because my philosophies about everything we do in life is there's always something more there's always something we can go after in life and it sounds really appealing because it also relates to the cowboy world you know there's always a wild cow to chase there's always a wild horse to chase there's always a pretty girl to chase you know when you go to the dance hall if you're not married and so that's kind of what I've always wanted to to tell people is you know there's there's something out there we can go after and years ago I wrote a story about an old pronghorn antelope in Wyoming and I would see this old thing every day and I used to be so tempted to chase that pronghorn with a rope uh for one it would have been against the law to do but two it would have been really unfair to that antelope because you could see every bone in his body he had to i don't know how old antelope get but he was old but it was one of those things where you know i looked at that antelope and thought you know i could chase him and it would be a easy chase it wouldn't be a fair chase but there was always something out there to chase and he just always was there but it wasn't the right thing to chase but it was inspiration to always look for those things to chase either real things or metaphorical things whatever it is in life you know it, there's always these things that we can go after and so i always tell people you know jerk down your rope cinch up your saddle and go after it you know that it, just a way to encourage people to do these things so that's partly why i named this podcast there's always something to chase and i thought about other names and i thought about you know referencing hard-boiled eggs and referencing onions because you know obviously an onion has many layers and we always want to peel back those layers of things and a hard-boiled egg is something that is so fragile but something as traumatic as being thrown into boiling water makes it less fragile it makes it sturdy it makes it something even though it still has that thin fragile shell what's on the inside is sturdy and it all comes from something traumatic and that also is part of our lives you know we we have the layers of an onion but we are also hard boiled a certain point you know there's a lot of things in our lives that make us become stronger make us become sturdier and sometimes we will project that fragile appearance of an egg when on the inside we are hard-boiled we're, we're tough you know we 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 still have a little bit of softness to us but for the most part we don't break we we crack sometimes but we don't break all the way through so i i wanted to always 
bring up those aspects and how I wanted to call the podcast Hard Boiled Eggs and Raw Onions, but it didn't sound very appealing. But those things are very, um, in a way, those things bring a lot of sentiment to what I want to express when, when I talk about the stories that I'll bring up and how I want people to be able to peel back their own layers and show a little bit of vulnerability in the cracks in their shells as well. So uh, anyway, hopefully this will be a good start to this podcast. Um, I'll make this one sort of uh, short and quick and I'm going to go through my notes and figure out what we'll start with. And like I said, if, if there's anything that that anybody is eager for me to talk about, you know, comment, find me on Instagram or TikTok, either one, and leave me a, a message there and, and I'll do what I can. So let's, um, let's sit back and enjoy this ride. And like I said before, there's always something to chase. Uh, look forward to the next one. Adios.